Hi everyone, it's Dina McKay, and I'm back with a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged, the podcast that allows Blacks in tech to share their authentic stories with you, the listener. On each episode, the guest talks about how they got into tech, their work in the industry, and lessons they've learned during their journey. You can find full show notes for this episode on blacktechunplugged.com. On this episode, I have Devon Prince, born and raised in Ridgecrest, California. He's also a Europe Class A alumni. He works at Salesforce and has been at the company for a total of seven years. And although he enjoys technology, his passion for connecting with people, problem solving, and empowering others in technology is what keeps him motivated. He's a passionate IT leader that is dedicated to motivate individuals and teams to affect positive technical change. On this episode, Devon and myself discuss how he got into the tech industry, starting off as an IT global service desk analyst. We're going to discuss Year Up and what the organization is and how it has greatly impacted Devon's life and his future plans to empower individuals in the tech industry in the Bay Area. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you do, rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you're listening to the episode today. Now let's get it. and welcome back to a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged. I have Devon Prince. Hi. Hello. So for my listeners who are not familiar with you, but they will be after this episode, let's just give them an introduction of who you are and what your role is in the tech industry. Yeah. So my name is Devon Prince. I'm from a small city called Richcrest, California. Um, Moved out to the Bay Area about seven years ago and um, kind of got got my way into tech uh, in an untraditional route and um, kind of been climbing the ladder since. So I'm here to disrupt the tech industry in, in, in a lot of ways. So, and that's kind of who I am. So you said you got into tech in an untraditional route. Why don't you tell my listeners how you got into tech? I, I came through a program called Europe. Europe is a not is, is a nonprofit organization that provides uh, young adults like myself, 18 through 24, that give you the opportunity to learn a trade in technology. Um, and that goes from kind of like coding to support to, you know, engineering, and then to even like the soft skills of how to like present yourself as, you know, a young adult in, in these industries. Um, so we learn to trade on both, you know, hard skills and soft skills. And they place us at these amazing tech companies like was happened to be placed at Salesforce back in 2012 and kind of been full time and growing ever since. Let's actually talk about your childhood and where you grew up a little bit, because you mentioned that tech wasn't something that was at the forefront, right? Like you didn't see yourself saying, I'm going to this Fortune 500 company and I'm going to work there. So what was it like growing up for you? And what was your very first exposure to tech? Like I mentioned, I'm from the city called Richcrest, California. Um, It's outside of LA, uh, kind of in the, it's really in the desert. You're not going to hear about it unless you pass through Barstow or (laughs) going to Vegas or something. It's very like, it's, it's circled by mountains. It's, It's like what you would see in the movies if you're going through any desert city. It's literally rural, like you don't see anything, right? So, um, um, so yeah, come from that city. There's, we're really that city's really known for uh, an air force base. So that's where all, all our budgeting, all our money was coming from. Is this air force base attached to the city? Uh, China Lake is the name of the air force base or the navy base. But um, yeah, so there's not many career paths in that city, or like there's not people like educating educating you on on career paths. For that city, you know, most people, the traditional routes for anybody that's coming out of Ridgecrest is like you, you really excel and you, you go to the military. Um, and after, after your time there, you, you know, you hope you get a job on base. 
um, you go to college and most people from that city go to college and come back to the city and then they're working, you know, kind of just they're at the hospital maybe, or kind of doing hard labor work. It, it was just, or, or police officing, being a, being a police officer, like, which was my ultimate goal. I was like, I just, I wanted something that's active. I, I, was, I grew up playing sports, you know, my whole life. Um, I try to take that route to, you know, be, let that leverage me and, you know, kind of kickstart my life, you know, wherever I was going to end up at, I, I, you know, I was hoping I'd go to college in all these different states, but um, unfortunately it didn't happen, which was, which was a blessing and curse. Um, I ended up going to a, like a local community college in the area in Antelope Valley, um, played my sports time there. And, and that's when I kind of moved from the Bay then. But um, yeah, so we don't really, you know, everyone I grew up with, all my friends, uh, there's really not opportunity for anybody to kind of do anything out there. Like, like I said, it's very, like if you, if you didn't know anybody that was, having a job on base, you weren't going to get a job on base, which was like the cash cow, right? Like if you worked on base, you were the man, mm-hmm. $20 an hour is great. <laughs> Especially for that city. I, I was praying. I'm like, please let me, I had to like, my first job was at KFC and I was content. I was like, yeah, this is good. I got $8 coming in. <laughs> Everything's cheap there. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm walking to work and it is great. Uh, but that wasn't what I wanted for me. And I always knew I was going to be bigger than that, but it was just, like, how was I going to get out the city? You know, even when I got out the city, I went to, I went to Palmdale, Lancaster, which is another desert city, kind of two hours out the way. So it, was, it wasn't really much of a change for me. And that's, you know, I, I made it my duty to figure out how I was going to get to a big city or, and I, and tech was still not, not even in the, in, in the plans at all. Like, I just, it was just something I kind of stumbled upon. Um, the opportunity came across me. I've, I've always knew about tech in a sense of, okay. I was always kind of, fix my own computer to make it run faster for video games. My uncle, he was, um, he worked on, he worked on the Navy, on, on like Navy airplanes and Navy ships. So he, like I would go to his house and see all these computers and I'd be blown away. Like, I'm like, man, I'm just trying to play the, the best video game and be the fastest. Right. And that's all I care about. So I guess that's where kind of sparks my, my, my love for technology. Obviously, you know, I think I'm in the era where it's just video games and, is going to do that for for anybody in our generation. Most people I talk to are like, yeah, I've been fixing computers since I was eight and <laughs> trying to be the fastest. So that's kind of where like the passion started to build for technology. But still then it was like my, like Facebook working at these companies like Facebook, Salesforce, like it, it meant nothing to me because all I saw as an end user was an application or a website. Right. So. Right. And let's unpack a few things that you said there. First off, so as a kid, you're like eight or nine, we'll say you're fixing these computers for your video games, but you're really doing tech things. It's crazy to me that as black people, when we do these things, especially as kids, we never thought of that as tech because when we were growing up, it wasn't like tech was a huge thing yet, at least I, from my perspective. But isn't it crazy how we were doing things and didn't even know that we were doing something that people get paid a lot of money to do on a daily basis? Right. And they get paid a lot of money. And, you know, I think that's why it's kind of been my duty to like, you know, educate not only my people, but like there's a lot of divans in that city who really are just don't have any options, don't know anything. So, you know, I feel like I'm a strong leader to like kind of lead this, you know, the next generation of, you know, the workforce in Ridgecrest, you know, to kind of have a, a bigger sense of like what else is out there. Like I said, people do not leave that city and it's, and it's, it's almost crushing because like that, that was a city I was born and raised in, but it wasn't very diverse either. So like it, our, our circle was very, very small. That leads me to my <laughs> next question about 
seeing like representation and seeing people who look like you doing these things. So you're in this small community. Everyone basically, it sounds like is kind of part of this yeah. naval base or doing things, you know, that you're content with doing. You're it's a working class city, how you only could do what you saw. And exactly. like you said, yeah. even you wanted to be a police officer. You had no idea that you were going to end up where you are now. Not at all. Like, you know, it's, it's and, and that's what's shocking because like I said, there's a lot of Devons out there who probably are going through the same mentality and steps I went through, you know. And like I said, I, I, I go back to the city, you know, I went for, over back to the city for the holidays. I only go like once or twice a year to see my parents and my mm-hmm. family. Otherwise, I, I don't really try to be in that in that scene because it's just a lot of, you know, it's negativity. It's just, like I said, it's just, it's not a city for, you know, people of color. Um, mm-hmm. and, and maybe it is, but it's just like, it's, there's, it's, there's, it's not fair. It's, you know, like I said, there's, there's not job opportunities. So a lot of people, a lot of my people are just kind of just hanging out, right? And just right. trying to figure it out what's next. So that's, you know, it's been my goal to really kind of educate my friends, my circle and, and people who look like me to, you know, think bigger. Like, you know, these cities out here actually have a lot more to offer than, you know, working, <laughs> working on base for the rest of your life. And you probably won't even get that job because you don't know anybody. Right. And I mean, even that can apply to tech too, right? If you yeah. know somebody who works at a company, that's an easy M for a job. And it sounds like that's kind of how it was in your hometown as well. Yeah, but the thing is, like, it, it took me to move out of the city, move out of or like kind of the Southern California area to see like what was really going on in the world. And, and in so many ways, I, I moved to the Bay and I was just completely blown away. Um, never seen tall buildings like that. Like I said, it just really us small city boy with, you know, a small mindset, but I, I wanted to conquer the world, did not know how I was going to do that at all, but I just believed it. Like I knew something was going to get, if I left the city, I, I, you know, I left with a trash bag of clothes. <laughs> Shout out to my <laughs> uncle who let me stay with him and it changed my life. <laughs> you know? Let's talk about your journey out and how you actually got into Europe. So how did you get out of the city? How'd you get to the Bay? Let's go into all those details. Right. So, um, my uncle is a, um, he's a teacher out here in, uh, in the San Mateo area. Um, Europe was actually very, very new at the time too. I think they're on like their eighth class, which is about three years in, three or four years in, into the program. Um, so he calls me one day and this is, I'm still in, I'm still in college. I'm still trying to do my football thing. And I'm just telling him, I'm like, I don't know if it's going to work. You know, I'm, I'm about to, I'm going to drop out. Like it was, I was definitely going to drop. I dropped out. <laughs> like it was, that's what it was. Um, and he's just like, you can't stay in that city. Um, I, I have this, I have this program that just visited me called year up. Um, he said, here's a website, look into it. He's like, you could work for a company like Facebook. And that literally made no sense to me. I was like, ah, I'll look into it. Uncle, you know? Um, so even when he mentioned Facebook and like these big companies, you could potentially start working for You were like, no, I don't see this happening. It's, it's not that I, I didn't see it happening. It's just, it didn't make sense to me. Like, you know, like I, I'm literally looking at a website that I did not know that was a whole company. Like I didn't know people were working there. I didn't, I didn't know it was a thing that that was just an application. Someone bought that we just log on to and just enjoy our day. Right. I did not know it was literally multi-million dollar, multi-billion dollar companies that you, they cater to you that, you know, they give you 401k, they give you all this. I'm like, Okay, let me look into it a little bit more. I'm like reading it. I hear the success story of, of a good friend of mine, Jay Hammonds. Um, he's like, man, I went through this program and now I work at Facebook. And he's like showing me pictures and pictures of the campus and telling me what he does. And I'm like, whoa, my mind is just 
blown away, right? Like this is new, like, whoa, people can, like this, this is tech, this is what working in tech means. Like this is, of course I want to do that. And, and it was a way out of the city. I was got on that car, that eight, 12, or eight hour car ride and did not look back. I was just like, let's figure this out. <laughs> I gotta go to school, I'm gonna go to school, but I definitely wanted to be just surrounded by it, you know, and just see it. Like I said, I was just completely starstruck on, on this whole industry. It, just, it blew me away. So you get in Europe and you are learning hard skills, soft skills, learning about all the different tech companies. What are some of your major takeaways from your time at Europe? I think my, my biggest major like, takeaways were really kind of the soft skills in a lot of areas, even if it was a mentality thing. Like I don't like I'm very coachable. I, I'm very you know willing to learn, like learning I want to say I was the best student. I didn't, you know, I barely had a 3.0 GPA, but it was like learning, learning came easy to me, especially as something I really had passion for. Yeah. So my biggest takeaway is kind of like transparency and communication because, you know, I'm very anti, I was very anti-social, you know, before this call, I told you how nervous I was to even do something like this. So (laughs) in Europe, (laughs) yeah, like Europe really pulled all of that out of me to, you know, to be ready to be in to face this workforce, you know, as if I was competing with somebody with a four-year college degree. And, and that's like, that's what, that's what showed like myself that I can really do anything if I had, you know, the passion for it. Right. Um, so yeah, just like, like I said, the soft skills really did it for me. And it's not like I was a bad communicator, but I had a, you know, I had our time just like really openly speaking, giving, you know, constructive feedback, you know, they had us doing constructive feedback sessions and, and just very being very communicative. So that was really hard for me to like transition into and be, you know, ready for this workforce I was going to get into. Well, first off, constructive feedback is like hard for people who have probably been in the workforce for 10 years. So that is a great skill to have. So I, yeah. I, but I completely understand what you mean about just like being able to communicate with your coworkers effectively and being able to communicate and give that hard feedback or just, you know, constructive criticism that will help the team. So totally understand how that was very helpful and probably still helpful for your career. Oh yeah. That's the biggest thing. And, and it's just like being transparent without being so emotional. You know, I was, yes. I, I didn't have anybody to teach me these things and be able to, you know, kind of speak my mind in an articulate way just to get things done, just really get things done. Right. Without being so emotional, being so vulnerable, like we're, we're all grown here. You know, obviously, I was only 19 when I joined uh, Salesforce. I was still, I was still a kid, really, still trying to figure out what I was here to do, what I was doing. I'm talking to all these adults at the time. You know, it's, it's, it was, it was a scene to be in. Like it was, it made me uncomfortable, and that's what I think that was like the first step, step of being uncomfortable. And I, I loved it. I appreciate it. I didn't love it at the time. Obviously, it was the worst feeling in the world, but <laughs> we made it happen. So you talk about the soft skills and how that helped you grow. From a hard skills perspective, what did you learn? So you chose to do the um, desktop support from a hard skills perspective, but what other options does Europe provide for people who join? Yeah, so they provide um, basic engineering. Uh, when I when I joined the program, there was they only accepted like two, maybe two students to go into that route because like they wanted to fill the workforce with you know roles that were obtainable to a lot of people. We didn't have enough time to learn how to code within six months uh, and to be able to work at like Salesforce, Google, Facebook, whatever, um, and then get a job right after that. So 
they, they offered Q and a um, quality assurance tracks. They, um, and they, they just had brought marketing on marketing as a track, which was amazing. I, I thought I wanted to be in marketing, but you know, desktop was perfect for me because I, I knew I wanted to be a true technologist. Right. And, and that's, that's what I set out to be. I was, if, if I wasn't going to be an engineer. I didn't want to be behind a desk all day coding. I knew that wasn't for me. Um, I knew that I personally, I wanted to talk to people. I didn't, I didn't, at the time I didn't want to be, you know, the, the spokesperson or kind of be in front of, be, be center of attention on stage or anything like that. It's just, I just wanted to be able to kind of do my job with, you know, conversations and communication versus, like I said, typing all day or like coding all day. So it was, it was a perfect route for me to interact with people, fix laptops, kind of, you know, get my foot started into the tech industry. I, I did a lot of research too. I was looking for like what was hiring, you know, as a start, as a startup role, especially someone starting off in the career, I, I would look through job app or like these companies, Facebook, and I would see a lot of desktop executive support. And those are just kind of things I was like, I, I can do this. Like I can really with ease, not, well, not ease, but like with the proper training, the proper coaching, great leaders around me. I, this is something that is obtainable. It's, it's it wasn't out of my reach. So I put my all into it. It's, I didn't look back. I didn't want to be in QA. I didn't want to be an engineer. And maybe it's going to change in the next, you know, as I go on. But that's, that's, that was really what my kind of goals were to do. Just kind of maneuver within desktop and figure out who these people are and how can I get into the industry in, in so many ways. So when you were doing your role for desktop support, what were some of the responsibilities that you had? I was at the time the role was called Global Service Desk. Um, we, it was a call center out in San Mateo. It was it was separate from the rest of Salesforce. So even then, it, like I said, the, these steps were for me to get in. To actually get into the industry was just different. So I worked at a call center. Users would call in, and I say users as like my employees, right? They would call in. Hey, my laptop is for some reason that it's 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 frozen. It's not working. I would go through my troubleshooting steps and kind of hang up that call and go on to the next. But the thing is, it wasn't never that easy for me. Like I said, I did not like talking to people. And what did that year up do? They put me in a job that I had to talk to people. I was like, oh my, <laughs> this is, <laughs> they are like, I didn't know, God's test, they're, God's put me to the test right now. So <laughs> this is what I want. He's going to make me do it. Yeah. Desktop support, global service desk, over the phone, handling priority two, two, two to three issues, fixing laptops uh, remotely. That was, that was my thing. And I, I became really good at it. And tell me if you see this trend. So I feel like if when you take the untraditional route into tech, that people often start off in that desktop support, global service desk role. Do you find that to be true? I see that happening now, especially, you know, because it's, it's a role that's needed. I don't even say it's within the companies now. It's, it's a good way to get inside the company, but you're not like a part of the company, right, as a full-time employee. Uh, and that's right. what's happening with that role. Um, they're just trying to, you know, fill fill that role. And because at the end of the day, like it's 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 a coachable job. You can learn. You can Google search how to fix anything these days. So I, that's why I see it's becoming more traditional. You know, um, it, it's not such much. It's it's not much of a hard a hard skill to learn. I remember my uncle telling me because he's been he was doing desktop support. You know, back when the computer was really booming in the nineties. And to be able to understand a computer inside and out, like there, you couldn't Google that. Like you really just had to know. You had to educate yourself through books, which is like 
I was not going to read a whole A plus or C plus certification <laughs> book on how to, you know, fix a laptop. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it became trial and error for me. So, and, you know, like I said, I got really good at it. Had great, great leadership around me to really push me and fix these computers for anybody. So. And I just brought up that point in particular because I know I have a lot of listeners who are looking to break into the industry and trying to figure out what's like some of the best roles that would help them get into the industry. And I always feel like I hear that a lot of people started off as the desktop support global services. And I just want to reiterate how important that role is because you learn a lot in that role. You learn what people are doing wrong, how to troubleshoot. And that amount of knowledge that you gain from that particular role gives you such an advantage when it comes to moving up and or even going to a new company. So I just wanted to reiterate that for the folks who are listening. It it truly does. It's a perfect starting point. Like I said, it's, it's nothing that's, you can learn this. It's, 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 it's possible. It's easy. I want to say it's easy. Like you really got to be a problem solver. At the end of the day, you're just solving people's problems. And I solved it through computers and, um, and it's just a great, great way to meet people because people are going to come to you. Everyone has a technology issue and they don't want to deal with it themselves. They don't have the education to deal with themselves. And obviously they don't know how to use Google enough <laughs> to deal with themselves. So they come up to us. We, we you know, it, it's a great way to meet people. You know, I, for, the, for the longest time, my, my ultimate goal when I got into the role was to be a sales engineer. I, I, met, I met this guy who was like, He's like, yo, you're only 19, 20 years old. Like, you should really look into being a sales engineer. And and I say that to say that it's those are kind of the things that you're you're exposed to at the time, right? Like, I could I could just stay doing desktop support, but now I'm meeting people who are in these these industries and in these careers for a long time, and ha- they see these roles, and that's why it's like that's why it's such a good starting position for anybody who's trying to just break into the industry. It, it may not look pretty. But like you're in there, you're talking to people, you got a foot in the door. And I think that was like the most valuable thing that could have happened to me. Amazing. And one thing that I did want to ask about Europe before we go on, Europe, were you able to choose Salesforce or did they pick where you went? No, they pick where you, they place, they place you at these companies. Um, they, they analyze you for the whole, the whole six months. Um, so like I said, they, they, it's a six, it's a, it's a, I didn't tell you what Europe was for how long the program was. So it's a year long program. The first six months is, you know, technical training, um, soft skills trainings. And then that's when they kind of analyze your day to day. You know, are you showing up on time? Are you do- turning in your homework every day? Um, how are you talking to people, communicating with people, interacting with people? Um, how are you interacting with the staff? And then there's a lot of terms that are you a leader? And then they kind of place you where you'll most be most likely be successful at. There's people who've worked in like the medical industry who will do tech within these medical fit or medical companies They go to Facebook, Google, you know, and they place you where you're going to be most be successful at. And, and they're pretty accurate too, which is, they do an amazing job at like really figuring out and placing these students to be the best version of themselves. And, you know, I, I wanted to be at Facebook, you know, I was just like, man, Facebook is, is had the, had the name, it had everything I wanted, but you know, I'm so glad that like I went to Salesforce because Salesforce you know, Europe with Europe and Salesforce, they changed my life, and it, I, my life is a whole one eighty now. It's it's beautiful. So, and speaking of your life at Salesforce, you've at this point been at Salesforce for over seven years. Just uh, I'm at seven years right now. I, I don't like to count my contracting. I can count that as well. But yeah, about seven seven and a half years right now. It must be a really great company to work for. Oh, it's it's everything. Um, they they allow us to be more than just 
you know, Salesforce. Like we get time to kind of push our culture forward, work on side projects, you know, and, and really be, be a service to, to the community, our community, you know, out in San Francisco, throughout the whole world. So it's, it's really, it's truly, you know, Mark Benioff is doing a great, great thing with, you know, our community. So that's why I also like, I love Salesforce. I, I don't think I can work at another company because our, our morals are great. We have great reasons on why we do things. We just have great values. So. And I do want to ask you about a video that you did and it was called We're Stronger As Us. And it was an ally mm-hmm. video that for Salesforce. And mm-hmm. do you want to speak a little bit more to what the video was, but I also want you to speak to what the video meant for you. Yeah, so this this video was completely, we had to be very, very vulnerable. Um, it was no promotional video. It, it, showca- it really showcased, you know, true allyship between, you know, not only our, our companies, but, you know, the world. Um, and to be able to be vulnerable and speak how I felt in this industry, walking around every single day was, it was, it, it was, it was a tough thing to do really just kind of be exposed in that situation. But um, yeah, for me, that video was, it was, it was just, it was, it was good to like have people understand, like, you know, my, my white colleagues or whoever it might maybe just understand what I kind of, I don't show, you know, as, as a man, as a black man too, in the industry, I walk around with a smile on my face and, you know, I work hard. You don't really see too much, emotion coming out of me but um it, it was good to be able to speak my mind and just you know and ask for a, a true allyship because you know we all you know especially people of color we you know we always have to p- play this kind of two-faced this two-faced game and um just really be able to expose my mind on how i felt walking in walking around day to day it's just that meant that that was the most valuable thing like i felt like i could have done because now like i said i had colleagues come around like man, I didn't, I never knew that you felt like this way. It's not, I, I, it was bad. It was just, it was a thought that, you know, always came across my head. Like, oh, I gotta, you know, button up really quick because <laughs> I'm in this industry. But yeah, it was, uh, it was a very, it was a very tough thing to do. And it, it, all those stories were great, you know. Um, it wasn't just people of color, it was people with disability, you know, and for us to have allies and understand that we're all just kind of people. Right. And I'm going to put the video in the show notes, but I do want to just say that, in your portion of the video, you mentioned that you had to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And I just want to say that it was brave of you to say that because I feel a lot of people in the industry definitely have those moments where it's like, you're uncomfortable, but you're there. So like you said, you had to be there with that smile on your face. And it's like, it's not till you get home, you get to be like that woosah moment where you're like, okay, I can be myself. I can have a moment and get myself together. But like you right. said, it was nice to see someone be vulnerable about it. Yeah. And like I said, I, we walk around, there's, there's people who walk around and just showing that they're uncomfortable. And, you know, that, that goes up. People can read that. People could see that, you know, and that's when the chitter chatter starts. And then you, you start getting your own mental game and it's, it's just, it's just bad. It's bad all around. So kind of just gotta, you gotta own it. You know, there's, there's only one way to fix that and it's not going to happen tomorrow like as long as we continue to you know show up show out every day speak up you know and show representation i, I think that's the only one's going to fix in the long run but you know just kind of be comfortable like i said being comfortable being uncomfortable is, is it's the way we have to move right now and that leads me to my next question about just being a black man in tech and i know that obviously with the diversity numbers there's not too many people in general in tech 
but especially being a black man in tech, do you see people who look like you often? And if so, who are maybe some of your role models that you may know in person or maybe like your role model in your head? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm well involved with our, um, we call it Bold Force. And that's kind of our, 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 our group of, at Salesforce, our black leadership group. Um, so I'm definitely always surrounded by, you know, black, black representation, right? And, and I love it because it just inspires me because we're all kind of just doing the same thing. We're here, we're making an impact and we're not quiet. So it's, it's, that's a great thing. But, um, you know, I, I, d- I do have a lot of role models actually, but, um, you know, because I came in as an intern and my first manager was black. That already shocked okay. me once. I was like, whoa. I, um, right. I, I get, yeah, I was just like, I got a black manager. He's, his, his name is Alex. Um, and, you know, he kept it real with me. He didn't really, you know, I, I don't know how it would have been if I had a white manager. You know, I was 19 at the time. So you can un- already understand, like, the level of maturity that, that Alex had to have with me and kind of understand and shape me to be, you know, respected in the industry, you know. Um, so he did a great job for me. And, um, you know, I, I, I get full time. Um, Alex leaves the company. And I, I was surrounded. I had great leadership, too. I mean, they weren't black for a while. And then, you know, two later down the line, I, I, I land another black manager. It's, it was just it was amazing to see that, you know, we, we have representation in the leadership side, too. So once I saw once I had two, I, I'm a manager right now, which is. This is, I, I couldn't picture it any other way. This, obviously, this is a blessing to really, you know, work with my people and have something to look forward to, look up to, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, right. Yeah, I can, Tony Prophet, he's, he's actually our, our diversity leader at Salesforce, and he's always somebody I'm looking up to daily because he's, he's shifting the culture, you know, and he's the most vulnerable. Like, he's, he's at the top, you know. I, I can only imagine the, the type of things that they kind of, had to deal with. So being young, being in the industry or being where I'm at right now and just having amazing leadership, those are, those are everybody I look up to because, you know, I, I want to be that one day or I want to be, I plan to be an executive, you know, a black executive, a black male executive at that, you know, it's just, it's not something you see at, at, an, indus- at an industry at that scale. Right. right. I, I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of black executives like, you know, kind of hosting their own companies, which is great too, but to, be in an established company and you're kind of the black man there is just, or the black woman. You know, we, we have, we have a black woman as a, in our leadership too. I, it's just mind blowing. It's, those are things I really look up to. That's amazing though. Cause I can think in my career, during my career journey, I don't think I've ever had a black manager and it's great to hear that you've had more than one and had that experience. That's just, that's crazy. I want to hear from my listeners how many people who have even had one black manager in the industry. What I really liked about what you said was when you first came in and you had a black manager, you were 19 and it's just the the level of maturity that they had to realize you had and then still be able to have that patience to get you to where you are today. And I think that says a lot because sometimes we don't have people who can lead us and have that patience and take the time to help us. Right. And, you know, especially with, you know, our culture, like there's not a lot of male black leaders surrounded and supporting us. Right. You know, the average black male is kind of, they have their own upbringing, you know, without any type of black leadership. And, you know, I had, you know, I had my father, he did a great job with me, but then to be able to bounce into an industry by myself, and, you know, my father didn't know about the tech industry, so he had nothing to really kind of like prepare me for. Right. 
Right. Obviously, there's there's always conversations about work ethics, regardless of where you're at. But um, to come to Salesforce and and you know walk into the day one and like and be you know paired with another black a black man, it was just like whoa. You know, I definitely have something to look forward. I know he's going to coach me in a proper way and and not you know beat around the bush, and he's just going to keep it real with me. And he did. You know, seven years later, I'm still here and, and I'm managing a team now. So it's just you know to see. Yeah, it's 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 growth, you know, and that's positive growth, and that's what I love to see, and that's and that's what I hope to do is just kind of put my hand back and just kind of bring bring my people with me, you know. Right, and you've mentioned a lot about the resources and people that you have access to within Salesforce. Are there any other organizations outside or groups that you recommend for people who are in tech in the Bay Area? Yeah, there's there's a lot of um, we're, we're all out here. And, and I think we're shifting the culture in so many ways. Um, I love the program Hidden Genius. Um, they're based out of Oakland. Um, they're shifting the industry with to very young young black men, black yeah black men, uh, black men. They're just they're teaching these kids how to code already. And there are some of them I've met these kids when they were like fifteen, and now some of them are about to like graduate college and work at Google. Like that's, these are success stories. Um, so yeah, Hidden Genius is is a great one. Um, obviously I like to stay connected with, you know, people who work at Twitter, like Blackbirds. Yeah. Blackbirds. I've, I've got a, I got a community over there. Um, got a community at Facebook. Um, I really, yeah, I really just try to be a representation of tech and whole. Like, I don't think it matters where you work, you know, as a company, everyone's you know trying to compete, but, you know, just, just to be, you know, a, a black male or a black woman in, in this industry is huge enough. So, I, I, I like to shred it. I like to talk about it. I like to be surrounded by the people who are in the industry. That's great. And I do have a few more questions before we wrap up our conversation. And one is question I have for you is about giving back. And you kind of touched on that a little bit. I know you don't go back to your city often where you grew up, but <laughs> do you ever foresee yourself in the future, possibly going back and like starting a tech organization like Europe there or trying to have Europe start something there? So, um, yes to uh, me kind of going back, but um, no with Europe. Um, and I say no with Europe only because I've already, you know, was able to get four, uh, four, uh, four people to move out of Ridgecrest to go to, to the LA Europe program. And they've completely changed their lives already. You know, um, I don't think I don't think uh, that city would kind of support support me in a, in a lot of ways. Um, but I, I think I could just do it at, at a smaller scale, whether it be, you know, leading with, you know, um, my actions. Right. Um, reaching out to people, telling them, telling them my success story, because, like I said, they, these, these rich, there's a lot of defaults out in Rich Press and and we all know each other. <laughs> it's not like we don't know each other. This is a small city. So. <laughs> they see me. Um, they see the four people who also went to the program. Um, Anthony, he he went and, he went and did that program in LA. Moved all the way out to Denver. Accepted a full time full time job at a startup company. Which that's like that's beautiful, right? So right. Th- that's kind of my way of giving back to my community in Ridgecrest. Um, and, and like I said, people they people know me there. Um, if I had the support, I would definitely love to bring you know tech out there. And I, I know tech is already out there. There's people who are like, man, I use Salesforce, you know, as their CRM. And like, they're like, how do, how, how do I get into a part of the company? You know, and that's just a conversation. And that's what I love to see is that we're having these conversations about these industries now. 
So right. that's kind of my way of giving back. And and I'm I'm full I'm full go in the Bay Area, really. You know, wherever I, wherever whatever conference I can make uh, make an impact into, especially you know with the younger the younger uh, generation of black uh, black upbringings, like it's that's where I'm at right now. So I, I like to do things for like hidden genius in the Bay Area or even even Europe. You know, Europe is is, is serving to you know our community. So that's that's literally how I'm giving back. But I, I try to give back by example um, and, and just kind of being there, communicating, talking with them, sharing my story, you know, hopefully, and, and I mentor a lot of them too. So it's just, that's my way of giving back. So, you know, one day I hope I can really host something at my, my old high school, but I, mm. there's not many of us there. It, there's really not many of us there for, for the high school to be like, yeah, let's, let's do it. But, um, you know, I'm sure I can just do it, but I, I got to make sure that, I have the right parties with me. I don't want to just go there preaching, <laughs> you know? Yep. I understand that. And you, you spend your time giving back to others and obviously the whole opportunity for you to get into tech, your uncle gave back to you. So I do want to ask, how has tech opened doors for you that you never thought could be open? Oh man, this is, yeah, it really, it opened so many doors for me and not in a sense of just, Oh, I can apply for Google now. I can apply for Facebook now, or all these companies. Just, I, I'm more educated in in a lot of ways. I'm, I'm financially educated now. Um, mm. You know, I started getting real money. You know, not eight dollars an hour at KFC. <laughs> you know, I'm getting real money now. And and, and, and you know, and, and my, I never had financial literacy. You know, I, no one's really talked to me about money, um, especially in my family. Uh, I'm the first one to even be in an industry like this or blue collar. What you'd call it blue, blue collar or corporate. I, I'm the first of you know of my family to do this, so just to, you know educate them on that. It's just it, it changed my life. It, it changed it changed everything. Uh, I'm starting to dabble into you know real estate now, and that's and that's all because of what I've accomplished through tech. Is it's, it's allowed me to kind of like expand my expand my mind my mindset to do different things without feeling feeling like scared or anything like I'm no longer scared. I, I can, I feel like I can accomplish any, if I wanted to be a police officer today, I feel like I could do it and lead it with the right intentions. You know, that's how, that's, that's what tech right. kind of did for me. So I, it's, you know, I feel it's nothing could stop me, you know, I'm sure I'm going to have roadblocks, but I'm at least able to, you know, be aware of what's going on now. I, my mindset has changed in so many ways. And so I do want to ask a question of if there are little Devons out there and they're trying to figure out how to get into tech or what to even begin to think about getting into tech, what advice do you have for them? I would say um, education is still important. I don't, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to come through this untraditional route anymore. Um, I, I still believe college is still very important and it's only going to allow you to be, you know, even better than, you know, it's just going to give you more opportunities. It, can, it can't hurt you. It'll only help you. Um, but if you're trying to go the untraditional route, you just got to educate yourself, get certified where you need to get certified. If you want to be a support guy like me, there's C plus, there's all these, you know, certifications that you can take. Um, if, if you didn't want to be a support guy, there's Salesforce is you know, known for giving out education to work these jobs at Salesforce. You know, we have a whole thing called trailhead where you get, you get educated on how to code, like code for Salesforce. Like that's, that's a still that's a still in general and all that stuff is free so I, I think it's just educating ourselves um, doing the boot camps paying I'd rather pay for a boot camp a coding boot camp than you know for your college degree to be honest um, and and all that's obtainable so I, I think we just got to do a better 
be you know representing all that um sharing this info sharing you know like what you're doing right now is 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 great you know it's beautiful there's a lot of listeners you know um and all through all different walks of life i listen to all these podcasts it intimidated me at first because like everyone's college educated the executive of this but you know there's there's you know there's guys like me who are just in the industry you know making a huge impact as well you know and really i I feel like i'm really doing my thing in tech i've grown from an intern to a manager within the seven years i'm here so and that's if, if i can do it anybody can really do it so and my final question for you is what do you see for your future in the foreseeable future i see myself being a vp it doesn't have to be a salesforce um i see myself being a vp of technology as some type of a startup or so um i'll have my hands into real estate and um kind of just Really, still the main focus is really educating my community, my people into in, into all the industries that I kind of dabble into. This is trying to bring the culture with me. This is and a great any, journey, and I, I really would love all of us to be a part of it. And any final words of thing that I didn't cover during our interview today that you want my listeners to know? Just educate yourself. Educate you know the people around you. There's like I said, I came from a city that I did like none of this was even foreseeable. It's not. So, like I said, Facebook, Salesforce, these companies made no sense to me. So if you're in a position to educate, even if you're not an educator, just talk about your story. Talk about what you do, you know, bring, and, and bring, definitely bring somebody with you. Bring, a, bring another Devon because there's, there's going to be kids out here who's going to change the world, who's going to change this whole industry in many ways that you know, we can't even do. So, All right. Thank you for your time today. I appreciate all the tips and advice that you've given my listeners. Thank you so much, Dina. Thanks for listening to Black Tech Unplugged. I'm Dina McKay, and you can find me and the podcast on Instagram at Black Tech Unplugged or on any social media platform. And if you haven't already, please go subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you're listening to this episode. If you have a few extra minutes, make sure to leave a five-star review too. It would help me out a lot and help other people find the podcast. Until next time.